Welcome to the Shio.world podcast, where you will meet women who are transforming the world to be more equitable and sustainable. We're having this internal question about what is our highest and best use as an organization? And in many ways, I think that the biggest gift we can give to the world is showing that you can do things differently than we currently do. I'm so thrilled to have uh, Vicki Saunders, the founder of CEO, as our, our guest this evening. And, and Vicki, I think, summed this up nicely uh, in terms of leading the conversation around the notion of using our power together, which CEO has done in an amazing way. Vicki is an entrepreneur, a visionary, a thought leader, and who, through CEO, is tackling the world's to-do list. So <laughs> with that, I'd like to invite... Vicky, um, to talk just a little bit at a very high level about the concept of radical generosity, which is the foundation of, of CEO and, and how it got off the ground. CEO really started from this like deep injustice that we see in the world that 2% of global capital goes to 51% of the population, which is statistically impossible to happen without massive biases built into our systems and structures. So it started really from this place of a moral injustice. And then the sort of follow on effects of something like that is we're living in a world where we don't have women's ideas surrounding us, innovative ways of doing business, uh, solutions to major challenges we're facing. Uh, and I just think we can do so much better than we're doing. Uh, and I, there's, a, there's a moment in time where there, there's a huge massive transfer of wealth coming to women the largest transfer of wealth in history that 75% of it's going to be in the hands of women. So there's, we have money like we've never be, had before. Uh, and not unlike other problems we see in the world, the real challenge isn't necessarily the money, it's the distribution. We have enough for everyone. It's just unevenly distributed everywhere. We see this in the food sector, we see it in every sector. Uh, and so there's a moment to actually like really get uh, new solutions, new mindsets and new models out in the world. So CEO, uh, it's an imagination. You have to kind of like step into a different space and imagine that we can do things differently. And so what we did was we had women come together with a small amount of capital each, $92 a month. We pool our money together and we loan this money out uh, at 0% interest to incredible women innovators who are working on what we call the world's to-do list, the UN SDGs. Everybody's working on at least one or two SDGs uh, and they have non-extractive business models and, uh, really uh, sustainable jobs that they're creating. It's just a, the kinds of businesses that we need so many more of instead of these inequality creating businesses, which everybody just wants to scale up. So there's a bigger and bigger gap. So we've started this in Canada. We have uh, had about 2,500 women across Canada from coast to coast, from Zeta, Cobb, uh, Fogo Island Inn, right through to Mayor Lisa Helps in Victoria. Uh, of all ages and stages from 12 to 96 at the moment, mothers, daughters, and grandmothers all sharing their capital, sharing their resources in this community to support uh, women entrepreneurs. And this model is scaled to five other countries. So we're in Canada, the US, New Zealand, Australia, and the UK with dozens and dozens more knocking on the doors. Uh, and we haven't done any expansion during COVID just because of the chaos and the uncertainty. And so we are starting to have women from other countries just pick a country and activate. So we have women in Singapore and in Hong Kong and in the Middle East and in the Netherlands, all sort of joining and just picking a country 
not really caring where their capital specifically is going, just wanting their capital to get into the hands of these innovators. So that's what the model is. Uh, tons has happened during the COVID time. I'm happy to address that. Um, but at the moment, just as a headline, we have funded 107 ventures across the five countries. Our portfolio of ventures, it's 45% black indigenous women of color compared to less than 1% is the average. 11% uh, of our portfolio is indigenous led, which is not even a statistic anywhere in the world. And our founders range in age from 22 to 79. So sector diversity, age diversity, racial diversity, uh, we're really moving capital uh, into the hands of those who have been put to the margins. I know you feel that this is a particularly um, poignant time for a variety of reasons. Um, a, coming out of the pandemic um, and what's possible going forward. Do you want to touch on a few of the reasons why you think it is such an important time for us to act? Yeah, I mean, it, we have everything that we need to change things, right? And it's very clear what happens when, when we are not uh, bringing our ideas forward and getting the support that we need to scale them up. We're living in a super, super unbalanced world that's designed by a very few people. Uh, we saw during COVID, the systems and structures uh, that we're living in are so, so deeply biased. There's so many barriers to those who are not a part of the privileged few. The very wealthy got very, 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 very wealthy uh, during the time of COVID. And before we entered COVID, five people had the same wealth as half the planet. Now it's roughly the same, but the amount that they have is crazy off the charts. Inequality has grown. I mean, it's just, things are getting, the system's working perfectly for those who have are getting more. Uh, and those who are uh, not get little drippings. Uh, and we have, you know, 3% of CEOs are women in Fortune 500, 3% of uh, film directors, like tiny little amounts, just enough to show someone got through. So why can't all of you get through, right? This just like distraction. Um, and so it, it's just like so clearly biased and it's, it's a better culture. And so we have to radically rethink what we value in the world. And uh, I've done a ton of reading in history in the last 18 months. And about every 400 years, we have a reboot of what we value and we are overdue at the moment. 400 years ago, we decided that Adam Smith's self-interest was the way. Uh, people are just all self-interested and you just need to take care of yourself. And we've seen that play itself out to such a detriment of all of us. Uh, to Margaret Thatcher saying, there's no such thing as society, like all of the pieces, right? And so we're now at a moment where we have to decide, we have enough for everyone. How do we wanna to live together and how we wanna to distribute it? So it is a moment where we're all being called. I feel like we're all in these amazing positions. If you look across Canada, we have Isabel Houdon uh, at the BDC and they're doing a mandate review right now with a total open door to change the rules around how BDC operates going forward. What should we be doing? How can we be more activists with our capital to create more equitable systems? Deputy PM and Finance Minister Christian, mayors across the country, Martine, who I know is an IWF, is the chair at EDC. Like we have, we are well-placed in all these communities and it's really just, it's time to use our power to transform the systems for the next generation coming along. Vicki, yours was a big, bold uh, idea, kind of audacious. How did you get from it being here to being 
in the world in yeah. such a big way. Yeah, it's, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Let's just put it there. No, it's, it's uh, bringing anything into the world that is outside a normal model, like a 0% interest loan when we started, like, what is that, right? Now we've seen tons of them during COVID. So they're actually quite normal. And in fact, during COVID, BMO, Bank of Montreal, matched our loan terms at 0% interest with no collateral. And to me, that's what we're here to do, really transform systems. And that was a huge, and I now have a three-page agreement that we share around the world to other countries saying it's possible. You can do this, banks. Who else wants to come on board and do this? Um, and so I think there's, uh, you know, it's it's been a, a big sort of, it's been a lot of um, standing, looking like a solid person who has experience that you can trust. So the first thing is like, how do you do trust building across the community to bring this kind of an idea forward? Should I trust her? Does she look trustworthy? Does she sound like she understands things? Does this sound well-designed or maybe why not? Let's try this, right? And so creating the conditions for people to step out of their comfort zone to try something new was a really big part of this. Uh, and one of the things that I've learned because I've launched dozens and dozens of initiatives in my 30 plus years at this is never try and convince people of anything. This is literally one of the biggest things. You follow the energy of those who get it. So someone says yes, and you're like, follow that and ask that person who their five friends are that are like them <laughs> and build that way, uh, which is what we've done at CEO. It's 50% of our activators come in through their friends. So it's all grown this way. Uh, and then it's such a compelling experience. It's quite hard to understand if you're not used to, if you haven't been in a community of incredibly generous people who are just really here to help and support one another. And if you're, most of your community experience has been in a place where people are quite harsh and just trying to like one up each other, then you don't, you, you're like initially go, oh, I don't want to be in a room full of women. No, thanks. But all of you are in this community. You understand what it can be like in a beautiful community. And so those who have had that experience have stepped in. Uh, those who were taking a flyer on it and just trying it have told their friends and it's grown from there. Um, that's one part of it. The sort of revenue model and the business model approach has been really challenging to maintain the freedom that we need to do this our way. Um, and a lot of funding gets attached with rules from the old world that try and get you to operate a certain way. And we've done a lot of resisting around that and a lot of designing around making sure that the capital that we've had to keep us alive has been on our own terms. So it's allowed us to experiment and show a different way. Um, and I mean, you know, like one of the hardest parts of this whole thing was I had to say, imagine in front of every sentence for about four years. Imagine if we did this, what would be possible? Imagine if we aggregated our capital and imagine if everyone had something to contribute in making the decisions where it goes. And imagine if the ventures were really great and imagine if they paid back, <laughs> right? A lot of that, uh, a lot of just like trust and, and take a flyer on it. Um, and now it's, we've got, you know, 100% payback rate, didn't miss a single payment, the first cohort, unbelievable. Um, many of us have contributed to the success of these businesses and feel like we're getting so much more out of it than we're even putting into it. It's a way of using your power and your influence to help those coming along um, and then helping everyone in the community. So uh, part of it has just really been find the others, Lisa, like find people like you who are like, this is amazing. I wanna support this. And you invite your friends in and a, a group of them come. 
uh, and very, very trust-based. It's just been important. It's, it's very experiential and, and relationship-driven, as you said. Can you just touch a little bit more on the experiential side? To me, what was so interesting in the beginning was the understanding the ventures and, and voting on the ventures. But I know it's evolved to you know, well beyond that. Obviously, you're going to look at the business plans and determine what are the ones that you think will actually go and the ones with the products that you'd like to buy so that you can literally support them. And you've built on this whole model of, you know, um, uh, share and ask and, and help each other. So can you just talk a little bit more about the experiential, what I'll call it, facet of, of CEO, which I think is so important to it all? Yeah, I mean, we started in a place where it was women like us who have been successful, who have um, maybe some excess capacity, time, resources, etc., contributing, uh, and then coming to, into this community where everybody votes to select the ventures, which is such a fun process. But at the beginning, a lot of people were like, oh, I wouldn't know how to pick winners. Like, I, I wouldn't know how to do that. Uh, and I was like, yes, you, you go shopping every day. You're, you're deciding what the economy looks like every single day when you make these decisions. And so we have this very simple process for people to vote uh, where you read through their applications. It's only 10 questions. Uh, it's really very simple. And then you see a one minute video and just seeing what's under the surface that you can't see in your community because nobody writes about these businesses. They're not on the front page of the magazines. There are hundreds of businesses across Canada that would blow your mind that you just don't get to see. So it's this discovery and learning process, which is really fun. Um, so that's one part of it. And then when the ventures are selected and we all celebrate them, we're doing that based on would you buy or recommend this product or service? So we're selecting things that we're like kind of a market validation in a sense where those that get selected, hundreds of women are saying, this is an amazing thing. I wanna help it. I wanna be a customer. I'd like to amplify it. I'll tell my friends about it. And just that creates such different conditions for the businesses to thrive. And then for all of us to go, you know, give these gifts. You know, Colleen Moorhead, I think is uh, an IWF member. And Colleen started this off by buying all the products and like putting them at dinner tables whenever she was there and then telling the stories of them. And then others followed along uh, showing how, like how proud we were of supporting these kinds of companies. And so those were some of the pieces. And then we have this very iconic sort of CEO experience, which is called Ask, Give. And it was a, a deep insight into why a lot of us just stay smaller. Um, first of all, we're in all kinds of safe, unsafe environments, et cetera. But in this community, everybody's here to help. So uh, we do this process where the ventures and activators now ask for support. Does anyone know someone at this company? Uh, I need some help with my financials. Can someone help me with that? And there's this regular, we now have it on an app, uh, an Ask Give app where you can ask for support and people just jump in and help. It's super organic. If you have time, jump in. If you don't, that's fine too. No guilt here, no guilt at all. Um, and it, that's just been really fascinating to realize we're all like one step removed from each other. We know the person that we're looking for through our connections. And so we've designed that into our process at CEO to make sure that you get that support. Uh, so it's, it's like a classic affiliation network, a bit like uh, yours as well. Uh, and, but it's very much meant to surface that there's everything you need is here. All you have to do is ask. And it's a hard muscle to build because most of us are conditioned not to ask. Oh, she's too busy. She said that she wanted help, but she didn't really mean it. I'm sure, I should probably already know how to do this. You know, like all the things that are in our head. Uh, we really practice getting that stuff out of your head at CEO 
so that you can go and reach your dreams and get the support of others. Uh, and there's really nothing more gratifying than making a connection for someone that then gets a business deal out of it. And then you all feel amazing and you start to realize, then you wanna pay it forward and help. So that's some of the experience. During COVID, we've now started to do weekly calls. So we, we're doing trade missions. So Canada goes to Australia and meets the Australians and we share what we're working on and we share learning. Uh, we're mixing it up all of the time across our five countries. We have learning circles around racial justice, uh, around getting rooted in our indigenous histories and our ancestral stories. Lots of the learning around shifting our mindsets, lots of learning around our patterns with money and how we can disrupt some of the conditioning uh, that doesn't help us reach our goals. Lots of learning around the world's to-do list and the barriers that we have designed into our economic systems and what our ventures are doing to remove those barriers. Just fascinating stuff. Uh, and then we talk a lot about systems as well. So we have those four tracks, ventures, finance, systems, and mindset. And so that we can start to understand the system we're living in, a lot of it's invisible to us. But when you start to see the systemic barriers that are put in place, you can actually use your power to help remove some of those obstacles for those who are coming next. Could you give us a couple of examples of, of how ventures have removed those barriers? Yeah, I mean, one of the, the hot ones right now that's top of mind is Chenny Shah, who is a, a venture in our community who runs gotcare.ca, uh, which may be relevant for some of you. So she has completely disrupted and innovated the home healthcare space. So it is so hard to get healthcare workers to come to your home and care for people who have, um, you know, maybe had surgery and need some extra help at home, elders um, who have had some issues, whatever those things are. She has a platform for getting a healthcare worker to your house at 30% less than the normal cost and paying her people 30% more, the healthcare worker 30% more. Wow. It's completely unbelievable. Um, and she has grown like crazy. Um, gotcare.ca, I just put it in the chat. Uh, but you know, if a friend of mine just had surgery and she went to the website and got someone to just come and check on her, you know, for the three days. Uh, because she had no one around her to support her right through to, you know, Chenny's story that she told me a couple of weeks ago is insurance companies across Canada call her with their problem things that they can't solve. So they're like, we have spinal cord injury living on an indigenous reserve, uh, can't get anyone near her. Can you help? And that was at 930 in the morning by one o'clock in the afternoon, she found a healthcare worker on the same reserve <laughs> who showed up at the person's house. Like, cause this is the magic of technology using it this way. But she, her goal is to, to do healthcare at cost. Uh, that's what she's working towards. And she's just amazing. Um, and she just learned a lot about this doing a project for the Ontario government, got underneath the problem and said, I think I can figure this out. So that's been fascinating. Um, she's one of them. And then, uh, another example uh, would be Nada, the grocery store. It's the first zero waste grocery store in Canada. Um, I think it was the first one in North America, started by these like a marine biologist <laughs> who was really passionate about the environment and, and about all the plastics that were going into the ocean and wanted a solution. And they, this is, they're just an unbelievable pair of entrepreneurs. And they're based in downtown uh, east side of Vancouver. They've been profitable since month eight of launching a grocery store. So hard to be profitable at the grocery store at a small thing like this. They have 200 local suppliers 
uh, and they've built out this whole backend system to be able to manage all these individual local suppliers. They've had no, uh, they've had no disruption during COVID because it's all locally rooted in community. They've helped these uh, small suppliers actually start to scale up. And it looks like the, the technology that they've built to do this um, sort of resilient local community producer grocery store uh, supply chain is gonna be one of their new products. Uh, so it may not be that they expand their store to like have stores all across the country, but actually use their backend systems to help other grocery stores build resilient local supply chains through their software that's all relationship-based. So there are a couple of examples, uh, tons more if you're interested. Thank you. We've just got a, a question that came in from Ann Miner asking how the SHEO organization is funded and yeah. um, it's directly through the activators. Yeah, so there's a portion of the activator contribution that goes to operations. Uh, and it's been a really, this has been a really fascinating journey. So when we first started in our very first year, we didn't charge any admin. It was like $1,000 for the year. And all of that money went into the fund to fund ventures and our admin costs were covered by, by BMO for our first two years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we started in year two to charge $100 on top of the $1,000 to do the administration uh, on top of bootstrapping ourselves through with some uh, sponsorship to keep us going. And we've had a lot of internal conversations about wanting to be 100% sustainable organization paying our own way as a community. It is very rare for nonprofits um, or even communities to be self-sustaining. A lot of people just are in this uh, natural sort of conditioned way of going and getting sponsors to cover operations. We don't wanna do that. Uh, and we've talked about that over and over as a community. Um, and so our goal is, you know, we are well-resourced enough to cover our own and we've been watching where we spend our resources over time. And the programming that we're creating for activators to support ventures is a huge part of what we do. So this year uh, with our perpetual fund, we shifted the contribution to a 50-50. So 50% is going to programming uh, for all of the calls, all of the learning circles, all of the work that we're doing around matching activators and ventures in the backend systems and 50% is going into the fund. And we were enabled to do that as well because we got this match from BMO and 100% of that money went into the fund. So uh, we have a good sized fund in Canada that's growing annually. Uh, and a, a few more really interesting sort of family offices and others stepping up is they wanna just have that money flow into our fund given our rates of return. Uh, that money just continuing to flow forward is a constant uh, positive social impact and the money keeps flowing. So instead of doing a one-time philanthropic, here's $100,000 that only stays once this money just keeps going and going forward. So that's, that's what our model is at the moment. And Vicki, can you talk about how you built upon the, the initial um, investments and are now helping people um, raise money in other ways uh, within, and, within and outside of CEO? Yeah. This really integral to them scaling, I think. Yes, it is. Uh, so one of, one of the insights and you know, what a part of our theory of change is, if we all get into relationship with, uh, entrepreneurs out there that are the innovators early uh, and we start we feel like we're part of their success and part of that we may open up our capital and do some investing because we're in relationship with them I think this is one of the biggest challenges with angel investing in the world is very transactional and super super risky and you don't really know the entrepreneurs 
And so our thought was, if you come into this and you select the ventures in the first round, and then you help them out and watch them along the way, we have a ton of information about our ventures because we're in deep relationship with them. Uh, it, it's a safer investment when you do the follow-on. So almost immediately wow. we have people wanting to invest in some of the companies. And that happened on a one-off basis. Uh, people would just step in and be an angel lead or contribute to an angel round that our ventures were raising and follow on. And we've just launched, uh, Activators uh, created the venture.fund, uh, a new uh, follow on fund for angel investing for our community to fund uh, GEO Ventures. So they're raising a $30 million fund right now. They're about to make their first two investments. Uh, and so this is a way to do this in a pooled manner. We have lots of one-off investments happening with activators writing checks, but this is now all of us doing it together in the fund. Fantastic, fantastic. Patricia's asked a great question. And what percentage of the new businesses are involved in the tech sector, in the arts sector? Is there um, an area that's dominating? It seems to me that there's a real wide variety of sectors and products and services can you give us a sense of how vast that is? Yes, it's very, it's very vast. <laughs> um, so I'm just wondering if I have my chart light in front of me. If you, on our website, ceo.world, if you click on the venture portfolio, we have a new venture portfolio that we launched two days ago. And you can, you can search by any sector, by the location, by sustainable development goal that they're working on. Um, it's, it's very, very broad. We're not, uh, most of our companies are sort of tech enabled, what wouldn't consider themselves necessarily to be in the tech sector. Uh, there's a real mix uh, of where they're coming from and the, and the sustainable development goals that they're working on. Someone said about art. This is something I'm like, it's looking, I have a manifesting wall in front of me and I've got Inuit artist in big bold letters. Why don't we have an Inuit artist in our community yet or indigenous artists? Um, and so we've been, we're working on that, but we don't actually have any like specific art uh, related startups at the moment. Uh, and maybe just to say the, the ventures, in case you're not familiar with our model, they're all in market when they get selected, they already have revenue. They're not an idea stage. They are somewhere between 50K and $2 million in revenue in the year they apply. And they get roughly $100,000 loan through the process. Vicki, in addition to the examples that you just shared, can you touch on a couple of um, a couple of the ventures that are sort of on fire or um, uh, ones that have uh, sort of risen from risen from I won't say the ashes, but out of the pandemic uh, more effectively than others? And what was behind that? Yeah, we saw when the pandemic hit, we had we had a global summit the day before the pandemic with 800 women in a room in Toronto with the prime minister there. And the next day they announced the pandemic. It was one of those, like, I think we we're the, one of the last events out the door. Um, and when the pandemic was announced, we uh, immediately got into triage mode because we had people whose businesses were just completely shut down overnight. Um, we had a, a woman in BC um, who runs a company called Common Good that hired people at risk of homelessness to do um, laundry for restaurants and that was done like in an instant. And so we called a meeting the Monday following. So I think it was on the 16th of March. Uh, and we, a big like call for all of our ventures around the world. What is your status, green, yellow, or red? What, and who needs what? 
Uh, and so we quickly got into this triage mode where we put our efforts towards those who needed it most right away. And it was, it was amazing. This, this woman from Common Good, I get a little bit uh, choked up every time I think about it, Hannah, because she came onto the call and she said, I can't lay off people that are at risk of homelessness from these jobs. Like I just lost all my revenue. What am I going to do? And was just very panicked. And another one of the ventures said, what do you need? And she told her an amount of money to get through the month. And she said, you've got it. It's on its way to you. I just sent you an interact transfer. And so ventures were literally bridging each other. And then activators, when we opened it up beyond the ventures, started to do the same. And Nada, the one I just told the zero waste grocery store, had didn't have an online store at this point. And so a group of activators came to her and said, we want to help you set up a Shopify store. And they got her online within 60 days. Uh, and so that she was able, she actually grew during COVID her business. So there's this kind of all hands on deck, very clear asks. We did a lot of work. Um, I don't, I'm not giving you a specific example on this, but we did a lot of work around um, negotiation. So, okay. Who needs help with talking to their landlord? What, what do you need to renegotiate in your contracts? How do you look at your payment terms? And we have some amazing experts who just put up their hand to go help. And they saved a lot of people during this time. They helped them to negotiate a, a, a reduction in expenses uh, to make things uh, a little bit easier. Uh, we're now at this point of we're having, we just had a supply chain gathering last week. Who's disrupted by the supply chain and what's going on? So it, it just keeps rippling out right? Making a year in advance decision on a container right now without knowing what things are going to look like and how do you do that and like the risks that you need to take paying for air freight instead of like we have a we have this center in New Zealand who's waiting for her chia seeds. There's a company called Chia uh, where they, she makes these amazing chia drinks and her chia seeds keep going around the world in the big shipping container. They're tracking it. It won't stop in New Zealand because it's too small of a drop. It's gone around the world twice already. And it's like, when's it going to stop here? And others who are, you know, paying $250,000 in air shipping to meet their, uh, to get their stuff in the store for Target, uh, an American venture called Brown Toy Box, so just lost all of her margins in order to get her stuff there on time so she doesn't lose her contract. Like all of these really tough decisions that are happening. So we're, we're paying a lot of attention to this supply chain disruption. And those are, those are the ventures that are like NADA, very rooted locally. Uh, are doing much better and more resilient. And these are the kinds of businesses that are actually really going to thrive. The ones that have all of these pieces of the puzzle that are scaled up are having a harder time. Um, I'm just going to pause for a moment. I know some of you have been putting questions in the chat, but is there anybody that would like to uh, ask Vicky a question directly? Yeah, Vicki, what kind of uh, expertise do you need on your team at uh, SHEO? <laughs> We have a really fascinating, we have a team of 15 people uh, at the moment who are running five countries and the portfolio of 107 ventures. Um, we, so we have, I'll talk about what we have. We have a, at the moment, we're not hiring anyone else uh, until next quarter or probably sometime next year. Uh, but we have, we do a lot of events. So we have people like logistic project management, amazing uh, events people. We're unbelievably tech enabled. So we have uh, four people on our tech team. We use uh, about 30 different uh, pieces of software in the back end, all connected together to make things very seamless. We have automated a ton of our tasks. Like when you activate, your information goes into 
QuickBooks, a spreadsheet, Salesforce, uh, all these different processes uh, automatically through Zaps. Uh, so super like a bunch of tech uh, in the back end, uh, strong finance department, obviously for the for the work around the loans. Um, and uh, you know, one person on partnerships uh, and building out relationships through the community, and then a community team that's working on on engagement all the time. Because we just did a, a two day Australian summit online, hundred percent of the content, all of the creation for that, and fifty local activators in Australia organized the whole thing. It's all self organized by volunteers, and then we support in the back end. And it, I was just astonished by the quality of uh, the content. It was amazing, uh, and we're about to do New Zealand next week when we do the venture announcements. And so we, a lot of our work is enabling structures and enabling others to do this work and contribute their gifts. We really, we operate like a 1500 person team, uh, really all of our activators that wanna contribute are involved there. We have a committee that's, whenever someone becomes a new activator and wants to do a welcome call, they get a one-on-one -on -one with someone from the community that's all done in a volunteer process and it's all managed in a Slack channel in the back end. So we're, we have a, a, this co-creation model and a new kind of structure for an organization uh, that's very, very nimble and very iterative. We get about 1600 pieces of feedback every month from our events and we're using that feedback to improve our processes. And then we share out the stories of how we're improving thanks to your feedback. So uh, first of all, we have a team that's very good with uncertainty and change. <laughs> because we rarely do anything the same twice. Uh, we're always looking for the new feedback and, and we experiment a lot. So uh, we have a very courageous team who's not afraid to fail. And we just, we step out and say, we're trying this today. If it doesn't work, let us know in the feedback. People are, are very radically generous because that's what we're practicing as a community. Um, and uh, we're very diverse uh, as a team as well. We have representation. Uh, very broad and diverse representation. So um, at the moment, we've just hired a couple more operations people just to support the backbone of the work that we're doing. Um, and I think next up is probably going to be another finance person because we're waiting to hear on a big uh, $15 million grant uh, that will go into funding more ventures. So we'll double or triple the number of our ventures in the next year if this all goes through. Maybe I'll just say a, a thought around one of the things that's emerged, uh, and Lisa, I don't know if you know about this, but it's pretty new. Uh, there's an organization called Women Moving Millions in the U.S., uh, and quite a few of their members uh, are activators. Uh, and we were talking to them, and they said, could we just, can a bunch of us join as a group, as a cohort, and come in together and have a shared experience together where we have our own voting parties, uh, and we, we, you know, pay attention to the ventures. Maybe we invite a venture to come speak specifically to us, uh, and we, anyway, they have a bit more of a specific agenda around things, and I said, yeah, let's try it. And then I started storytelling that, which is what I do when something new happens. And then a bank came to us and they gift, they brought 50 of their relationship managers, one from each state in the US together as a cohort. And then UBS just did the same thing um, in the UK. And then Shopify gifted in a hundred black indigenous women of color entrepreneurs to come in together so that they could build their businesses. So uh, we're starting to see affiliate communities where they're already together and in a relationship coming in and doing this as a group, uh, as a learning journey, uh, as an experience they get to do together. Uh, and so that's been really fascinating. And the, the Shopify thing came out of a very big success story for us in the last year. 
uh, one of our Indigenous entrepreneurs. They gifted in an Indigenous entrepreneur named Lynn Marie Angus from Sister Sage, who has this beautiful Indigenous wellness company. She came to our summit and spoke. At the time, she had $5,000 in revenue. Our community loved her. They started buying her products, especially during COVID. She got to know everyone. She grew her revenue to $250,000 in a year. She then applied to be a CEO venture. She was uh, selected. She got a $100,000 loan and she's on target to hit $500,000 in revenue this year. And she was just named BC Indigenous Business of the Year. So in 18 months from 5K in revenue to Business of the Year, 500K in revenue and like an incredible role model. So Shopify looked at that and said, it costs us $1,100 to gift in that entrepreneur and look at the impact. This is what we should be doing. So now they're gifting in a hundred entrepreneurs so they can access the community and, and our activist nature of, of being supporters. Um, so we're gonna be tracking all that data as well to show the impact that we can all have. And Shopify was in early. I remember being at events at, uh, yeah. at offices. So hats off to them for uh, sustaining and building on that. Do you think a lot of this, what I'll call affiliate building, um, at this point in time is because of the pandemic and you know women slipping back and people reevaluating their priorities as a result of the pandemic oh yeah uh so we're starting to see this interesting thing where what kind of business do i really want to run do i really want to grow it is three million dollars in revenue good i have this like great jobs more balance uh, maybe I just want to stay here and I don't want to scale up and grow. Hmm. Uh, so people really rethinking uh, priorities and then also really thinking about what kind of business do I want? These things that are that have like really robust and challenging and dispersed supply chains are going to be a big problem going forward. And so we're talking a lot now about scaling out versus scaling up. So how do you create more resilience in your local economies? So uh, a lot of that and then just... Uh, this boundaries, uh, you know, I just, I can't do that. I'm sorry, it's gonna be this way. We're seeing lots of people go to four day work weeks um, and that's been really exciting. So those are, those are a few things. Great. Um, I'm noticing some questions, uh, yeah. Patricia. The, the phrase that everyone on my team uses to describe me is remover of all obstacles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very creative, thinker and like I'm at my best when you throw 17 different blocks at me I am very good at water strategy getting around things and finding a way through um, and it's I mean this is I've looked at all the barriers that exist for women and the design for CEO came from understanding every bug that's in the system that blocks us so I was like how do you look at all these things you know all the enabling things that were not designed in and design that in so I think that's one um the most desired outcome for 2025. So that's our 10 year anniversary. And I have 17 things on a list uh, of what I hope we look like that year. Um, one of them just for fun, I'll throw it is I just signed a shopping agreement with a Hollywood production company to do an unscripted TV show. So I hope that that's in market by then and blowing people's minds about how differently we can operate together in community, the opposite of Shark Tank and Dragon's Den like a place where you actually see people helping each other instead of like trying to pick each other apart. So that would be a fun thing. 
Picking up on the notion of, um, you know, a remover of barriers, what else? Because Vicki, you're, you know, you referred to your manifesting board, you know, yeah. in addition to determination, a lot of hard work and a vision, what else has propelled CEO and you forward these many years? You know, I just have a very long track record of failing at what I was trying to do. I have failed in so many different ways. So I, I'm just about to teach a course. I'm gonna start a course next year for 16 to 24 year olds on the traps of the system and how to avoid them so that you don't create an environment and a business structure that looks like everything else. That's where we're really, really, really stuck. Um, and so I, I really, I'm kind of a business artist, right? I, I am, it's very creative, this work of like trying to design in new ways so that is a key thing. I also, we have uh, such a flexible, we have like nine or 10 weeks off a year as a team and four day work weeks. We're, we're so flexible. Someone said to me, the, you know, a couple months ago, I'd really like to take a month off. Could I take a month off? And I'm like, I don't know. Can you take a month off? And they're like, well, like, do we have a rule? And I'm like, I don't think so. Do you want to create one? And she's like, well, no, but I mean, can I take, I said, yeah. Do you want to take a month off? What do you need to do to do that? Well, what about other people? I'm like, go ask people, go create the conditions for you to get what you need. And so we have very little structure on our team until we decide we want to have a structure. Um, and I, this is how I operate around anything. I don't do anything that I don't have to do. We don't, uh, you know, set these big crazy goals for ourselves and try and hit them. We show up every day, love our community, um, practice radical generosity with each other. And we're, working together to try and figure out what do we want a workplace to, to look like that uses all of our gifts. We're organized around what you're best at. And we are constantly trying to remove things off your plate that you're not great at. So we don't have these really like tight and rigid roles on our team. Uh, and we're, we're constantly, like every week when I'm checking in with people, I'm asking, what are your pain points? What's not getting done on your to-do list? And I'm trying to help you get those off your plate to the people that actually are really good at those things. Uh, so that if everyone's in their zone of excellence and gifts, it's effortless, it flows, and you can feel it. You get positive feedback and reinforcement all the time. And when you're not in the right place, it's, it's frustrating. You're not hitting your deadlines. You're promising things that you're not getting done. Um, and so there's this workplace environment that we have and that my belief that you can do things really differently um, is something that we work on and it's, um, you know, we're only as good as how you show up every day. It's hard to be on our team because you have to lead yourself. Nobody's telling you what to do. There's no to-do list that any, there's no hierarchy at all. It's, it's everybody is a lead doing their thing. But a couple more questions. John is asking, what is keeping you up at night? And congrats since uh, 2019. Yep. And Lisa's asking, do you have plans to scale even larger to larger investments. Yeah, so uh, what keeps me up at night is usually people stuff. Uh, I'm just so committed to everybody being as free as possible, including myself. Uh, I'm just a, like, how do you create the conditions for people to thrive and be free in a collective? How do you do that? And it's a question I ask all the time. So when I see somebody who isn't in the place where they're just flowing and everything's going really well, that's where I put my energy. Um, and I'm always trying to help 
get, because when, when the team is flowing, it is just delicious. It is so incredible. And our team equals our product. So you see it in the world. We get positive feedback all the time. And when something's not quite right, it just shows up and it messes with everything. So I spend a lot of time thinking about that. And the good news around COVID, not being in the office is makes things easier for me because I used to really obsess about it. I'd be like, did they look at each other weird? Is there something going on between these two? Like, I think a lot about the dynamics. And thankfully, I don't see a lot of that stuff on Zoom. Uh, so uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. But that's the stuff that keeps me up at night, really the people stuff. Um, and then on the scale part, this is a really big question right now on our team. We are starting to get a lot of phone calls. You know, if you had a hundred million bucks, what would you do? Do you want a hundred billion bucks? And I don't know if we do. Uh, we're, we're having this internal question about what is our highest and best use as an organization? And in many ways, I think that the biggest gift we can give to the world is showing that you can do things differently than we currently do. Like we have demonstrated that you can get money to diverse populations of women and non-binary folk in a really unique way. And we are just about to share out in, in a Creative Commons license, the whole thing of how we do that. Here you go. Every single part of our process is gonna be shared for the world to go copy. Um, I don't know, when we first started, I thought let's get to a million women in a billion dollar fund. I don't know if that's where we wanna go anymore. So we're, we're having these conversations. Um, so that's, that's a good question. And then the microloans, we've applied for a $15 million uh, pool of microloans. So we're gonna get into that and we're gonna start uh, playing around. And then we're also gonna do the upper end too, uh, perhaps doing larger checks uh, in the debt-based format so that people can maintain ownership of their organizations and, uh, and, and create employee-owned structures instead of just using the funding regimes that we currently have of, of equity uh, and selling off your company and then potentially getting yourself removed if you get too big, which we see a lot of. Yeah, this is why I'm, I'm gonna start doing some teaching uh, for other people that want to run their organizations differently and, and be free of some of the constraints that funders put on you. I'm quite good at figuring that stuff out. So I wanna share that knowledge and learning and it's kind of showing up these days in the form of like, oh, that, these are traps. If you go down this road, like most people in a nonprofit think they have to go raise money from sponsors. So they go to sponsors and then sponsors tell them, here are all my rules. Those rules have gotten much worse, by the way, since COVID is what we're noticing. Uh, it's like much more power over relationship instead of power with. And then you all of a sudden within a couple of years end up serving the sponsor and not the original work you wanted to do. Uh, I know how to get around that stuff. That's what I've, I'm I very practiced at that. And I don't, we don't have school for that. Uh, we just assume this is the only way to do it. And there are other ways to, to be free. Sure. So I personally would much rather go in that, that department and our team, it seems like probably want to go there, but we're still having this conversation in our community about the scale up, scale out, share and demonstrate. If you want, I wonder if you could share a couple of the most unique ventures. And um, what I mean by that is sort of um, category killers or yep. I shouldn't say the word, I don't know, killers, <laughs> white space or um, yeah. just really interesting new idea. So uh, one that is just incredible is called betterpackaging.com out of New Zealand, two moms with six kids between them who live in different cities who invented 
I don't know how they did this in their crazy lives. They invented uh, home compostable courier packaging. So you can just imagine during COVID, the amount of landfill around courier packaging is just terrible. And so they built this up, got a like just incredible global traction, 20 million bucks of orders sitting in their inboxes, like just wild. And both of them are so obsessed with removing plastics from the ocean that they're like, you know, we need to go back to the drawing board and do better. Home compostable isn't enough. We want to do more. So they have just come out with a new product called Polastic, P-O-L-L-A-S-T-I-C, that takes plastic pollution out of the ocean, done by Pacific Islander women at a living wage. So they're cleaning out the ocean of pollution and using that as the raw material for their packaging. And then it's compostable at the end. So as they scale their business, they are literally healing the planet. These are the business models of the future, not just non-extractive, but healing in what they're doing. And they're paying Pacific Islander women this living wage. It's just, they're raising $40 million. I think they're gonna be the first impact unicorn uh, that we see out there. And I hopefully that becomes a new phrase that everybody uses. And can you give us their name again, Vicki? What is the yes. name of this? It's called betterpackaging.com. Okay, thank um, you. Yeah, Rebecca Prokoski. Uh, just phenomenal, and Kate Bazaar, they're phenomenal out of New Zealand. So um, that's one that's just incredible. Another one, her company is called Farm From a Box, and she has been selected as a New York Times climate moonshot. Shipping container, completely off-grid, that you plunk in the middle of a two-acre field, and it has everything that you need to farm two acres water, uh, Wi-Fi, energy, refrigeration, all of the data that is tracked through this that goes back up uh, to satellite so they can track it. And it allows you to farm a two acre property. They're putting this in refugee camps, on indigenous reserves, in food deserts and cities, uh, designed by Brandy DeCarly. Genius, this thing is just unbelievable. Uh, and so that's been really fun to see. And she's just got a new partnership with MasterCard in the UN. And when they're putting them in these communities in Africa, women are actually getting the money directly transferred uh, to their phones. So they don't, the money isn't going into their husbands. So it's direct economic uh, reconciliation and, and uh, an opportunity for them. So those are two just, whoa, uh, climate moonshotty ideas that that we really, really love. And again, neither of them would have been able to do what they're doing unless they had this flexible form of capital. Both of them got follow-on funding from activators that allowed them to build their business on their own terms. Better packaging, if they didn't have investors from our community, never would have been able, their investors would never have let them go back to the drawing board to go into you know, the pollution piece because they put two, you know, 20 million bucks of revenue on pause to go back to the drawing board. No investor would let you do that these days. So it's, we have some great stories coming out and, and uh, these, like, these are the kinds of things that we can do when we have this flexible capital. Um, and I saw the comment around freedom. I'm freedom with, not freedom from, like the more Canadian version of this versus the uh, sort of American kind of mindset-y thing is like, I'm not gonna wear a mask because you can't tell me what to do. 
that's not freedom. It's like freedom within the, the sort of constraints of the world that we're living in. Uh, I just want the freedom every day to do what I'm amazing at and to contribute my gifts uh, without friction, which requires a lot of personal work uh, to get myself to a place where, and, and then to understand myself really well so I can surround myself with people who are gifted at things I'm not, and then to work beautifully in harmony to achieve a common goal. So that's what freedom is for me. Uh, I also, uh, we have a fun, I don't know if this often gets said in a sentence, a fun annual report, <laughs> um, but it's clickable and interactive. Uh, just put it in the chat and you can go and click through and see by country where ventures are exporting to, uh, how they're tracking their sustainable development goals impact, the diversity, the jobs they're creating. Um, we are creating jobs in Canada at about $2,800 a job. Uh, I presented this to the uh, Federal Finance Committee during COVID, just so capital efficient, just wild. What women do with a small amount of money, incredible. So we've got all the data to prove that we should be doing lots more of this and our systems and structures are just really stuck thinking women are not the leaders we need. So we've got to put all of our capital together to support these things. And if any of you would like to come in, if you'd like to come in as a group, uh, to activate. It's an amazing community and it's just feels so good to use our power with one another to create the change. Is there any one thing that you would have done differently along the way or is the fact that you can can change on a dime really part of the magic? Oh I no I don't think there's one thing. I this is I've had to do so 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 much personal work and letting go <laughs> to get this thing off the ground. I, I lived in scarcity before I started this and I created a thing that's about being in abundance. Like I hate asking people for money and I created a thing in the world where I have to ask for money all the time. It's like a nightmare. Um, and so that like, I just had a lot of healing around that. I, I just don't care if people don't join, it's fine. You know, I just, I've become so detached from all these things and that's the growth edge for me. It, it's been quite painful and challenging to to just keep staying positive amongst all of the stories that I hear every day of the discrimination that entrepreneurs face. I've got my red list of if they were a man, these things would all be huge, right? Like I've got all these segments in our thing. It's just, so to witness that every day really up close and personal is hard, but it's also what gets me out of bed every day. The injustice of how we're all treated uh, and how we need to heal that so that we have a better world is just, this is the work. Thank you for listening to the Shio.World podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. We invite you to join a global community of radically generous women at Shio.World.